Hi, you're listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, where we bring you the rich life histories of the incredible men and women enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. Innovators, pioneers, entrepreneurs, geniuses. These are the individuals who not only shaped blues music, but paved the path for all forms of American music that followed. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by the Blues Foundation. For more information about the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. We continue the series with Fats Domino. Fats was born into a musical French Creole family in the Lower Ninth Ward in New Orleans, Louisiana. His first language was Creole French. His talents blossomed early, and that, along with his legendary laid-back, easygoing demeanor, created a lot of demand. Everybody wanted to work with Fats. He had his first hit by the time he was 21, and he invented New Orleans-style rock and roll with it. That 1949 hit for Imperial Records, The Fat Man, sold over a million copies by 1953, and it's considered the first rock and roll record to achieve that feat. A succession of hits soon followed, Ain't That a Shame, Blueberry Hill, and I'm Walkin'. By the end of his career, Fats Domino had sold more records than any other 1950s rocker except for Elvis Presley. This is his story. Two men in suits, Dave and Lou, stood at the bar, listening to Champion Jack sing out of the jukebox. They were in a ritzy New Orleans nightclub where Dave sometimes performed with his band. The place looked like a Moroccan palace, two stories high, painted pink stucco walls, balconies with shiny brass railing. Dave asked the bartender, where's the fat man? He hid away tonight, said the bartender. What's up, Dave? Showing my Hollywood pal the sights, Dave said, hooking his thumb toward a middle-aged white fella. Lou makes records in the other L.A. Dave and Lou left the big nightclub and walked further onto the fringe of the Upper Ninth Ward. A thick cloud of cricket and cicada chatter filled their ears. Two bridges made of steel girders shined in eerie electric light. Oil rigs pumped. The smell of chicken coops wafted. The men passed little houses with rows of collard greens growing in the yard. The street sign on the corner said it all. Desire. Looks like Sunset Boulevard next to what I seen in Guatemala, Lou said. I used to sell Lalo Guerrero records out of the trunk of my car. Went as far south as the people would buy. I'm fond of Latin spice myself, Dave said. Blends with the local gumbo. Not so fast, Pachuco, Lou said. You need a singer first. As they tiptoed across the railroad tracks, a sound reached their ears and shook their bones, almost like a locomotive. There he is, said Dave. The piano rhythm propelled them into a little bar, the hideaway. It looked like a good place to get lost, but nothing could keep Fats Domino from being discovered. Walking into the hideaway was like entering a cave. The ceiling sagged so low, Dave ducked to protect his hair. Brightly painted beer signs advertising Jack's, Dixie, and Champagne Velvet added the only splashes of color to the gray plank walls. Dave and Lou were the only suits in the room. Everyone else looked like they'd stepped right off one of those oil rigs. The piano man in the corner had on a patched up denim jumper. A bare bulb took the place of a spotlight. Dressed like a conductor, said Lou. 
driving that piano like a train. He's got a big beat, Dave said. I haven't heard a rhythm like that since Basie, said Lou. I hope he sings better than Basie. The fat man smiled at Dave and glanced toward Lou. He looked to Lou like a bouncy baby. Fats tore into the piano and belted out the tune Dave and Lou had just heard on the jukebox, Champion Jack Dupree's Junker Blues. The piano man tilted his head and looked into the crowd, smiling as bright as sunlight in the dank dance hall as he rocked on the stool and pounded the keys. Everybody swayed on the dance floor. The rhythm shook the beer signs, which happily bounced on the wall to the big beat. After the song, the piano player visited the two suits at their table. I never felt more charmed being in the presence of another human before, Lou said. Fat stuck out his hand, but could barely get I'm Antoine out of his mouth before Lou slapped down a long piece of paper. Fat shot a look at Dave like he'd been double-crossed. Dave laughed. Lou wants you to make records with us. Fats took a seat at the table. I'm not signing anything without royalties, he said. Lou grinned. Shrewd for a house pianist of a railroad shack. Much respect. Dave said, you ain't getting royalties on Champion Jack's song. My sister, she even told me. And my grandma told me too. The next morning, Fats worked his shift at Crescent City Bed Factory. He hammered together a box spring and thought about what Dave said. No royalties on a Champion Jack song. He had already juiced up the tempo. Champion Jack couldn't keep up with that. His big beat sounded stronger than a heavyweight. Fats hummed Junker Blues and started trying to put his own words on the tune. Where Champion Jack said, They call, they call me a Junkle. Fats just substituted his own nickname. He moved to the next verse, where he couldn't sing about standing on the corner with a bunch of reefer in his hand like Champion Jack did. So Fats put himself at the heart of New Orleans, on the busiest corner in town, the spot people around the world knew. When he couldn't think of something to say, he soloed like Louis Armstrong without a cornet. Wah, 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 wah. Fats bumped around the mattress factory, practicing his new song. He had half the guys there singing wah, wah, wah and laughing with him. After work, Fats walked home down the streets of the Lower Ninth, past the levee along the canal. He stopped at the liquor store at the end of his block just to pitch a dime to Hattacall, the local wino. Fats spied a red Ford parked outside his little white cottage. He got closer and noticed a pair of gold loafers kicked up on the dash. Dave. Fats walked over to the driver's side. He stopped beside the open window. Dave was laid back, silently pushing the buttons on his trumpet. Without looking up, Dave asked, The fat man ready? Fats nodded. Lou gonna be down there? Dave said, yeah, he is. After a splash of cold water and a change of clothes, Fats and Dave were riding over the canal bridge, bouncing like the hideaway. Their destination sat on the edge of the French Quarter. At the corner of Rampart and Dumaine was J&M Music. J&M belonged to a little Italian guy named Cosmo. He sold secondhand 78s, made records for a few bucks a pop, and let local DJs broadcast from his little studio to bring in business. Fats knew J&M. 
Many a time he'd fogged the plate glass outside as he watched Dave do his popular radio show, Shrimp and Gumbo. He never stepped inside, though. Fats couldn't afford the records. Now he was going to make one. They stepped into the tiny studio. Lou had a fidgety look about him. He beamed at Fats and said, There's the conductor. Fats felt like backing out. Cosmo could see nervousness shining on Fats' forehead. He grabbed his hand, patted his shoulder. Close your eyes and you're at the hideaway, Cosmo said. Don't worry about screwing up. Just go, he added, seating Fats down at the baby grand. The band could nail the song, but if the horns came in too loud or the vocals too soft, the record was no good, and Cosmo had no way to save it. Four horns crowded one mic. Drums and bass sat around the baby grand. A microphone dangled from the ceiling on a wire beside the stool. Fats got the piano rollicking. The drummer rode the snare and hi-hat. Every toe in the room tapped. Fats cocked his head sideways with that grin beaming and sang. Smiles filled the studio. Heads nodded to the beat, especially Lou. Right in the middle of the song, Fats asked, How do I sound? Cosmo shouted, Terrible! You just blew the take! The band hit the brakes. You told me not to worry about screwing up, Fats said. I lied, Cosmo said. You need to be perfect. Cosmo went to trash the disc and set up a new one. You played strong, but you talked too much, he said, returning to his control room. From behind the glass, Cosmo yelled, One more time, sans chit-chat at me. Cosmo picked up the disc, blew off the wax shavings, and handed it to Lou. Master for the master, Cosmo said. Lou didn't look so pleased. What's, what's the Wawa all about? Lou stammered. I don't get it. Dave spoke up. It ain't not a champion, Jack, he chuckled. That song had about as much to do with Jack Dupree as the Star Spangled Banner. Lou said, I don't know about all that. Dave said, just have to see what the people think. He took the disc out of Lou's hands. I'll drop it on shrimp and gumbo tonight. Fats was way too nervous to sit around and watch Dave do the show. He caught the bus back to the low nine. Everything looked the same. The grass levee, the tiny houses, the shimmering canal, greasy in the moonlight. Had a call, the wino perched on his crate outside the liquor store. Fats tipped his cap to the man. As Fats strolled on by, he heard Hadakal sing. Wah, 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 wah. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation. Written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.